The clock is ticking on Enbridge Line 5. May 13th, two weeks from today, was the deadline that was set by Michigan, uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer when she announced that she wanted that line closed. That was back in November she made that statement. Now, obviously, this is a matter of national interest for Canada uh, and Alberta. And while many feel the federal government completely ruled over on Keystone, apparently, we're being told, they are working frantically through diplomatic channels to try and save Line 5. Are they getting anywhere? What can we expect as we get closer and closer to this deadline? Will it come to pass? Joining us now is Dan McTague, who is president um, of Canadians for Affordable Energy and a former federal liberal MP. Dan, thanks for joining us again. Always always fun to chat. It is, uh, and a great topic that uh, should uh, get a lot more attention, especially uh, Shane in eastern Canada. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. I think when we talk about pipelines, typically that's seen as an Alberta issue, but let's uh, let's just define exactly what this Line 5 does, because it's, it's of utter importance to not only eastern Canada, but a lot of places in the U.S. too. Yeah, 580,000 barrels of uh, Alberta light oil uh, travel uh, and have been traveling since 1953 uh, across uh, part of the country, dipping down into the United States and then crossing uh, the Strait of Mackinac. Uh, that's the body of water about six kilometers wide that uh, separates Lake Huron uh, from Lake Michigan. And, uh, of course, then the pipeline makes its way through Michigan to then cross once again uh, at uh, Sarnia near the uh, at Port Huron, uh, the, the mouth of the uh, St. Clair uh, Detroit Rivers. And that's really where uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, a decision made by uh, Michigan to decide uh, that on the 13th of May, uh, the company will no longer have the right, uh, a right given by the state to be able to sell uh, or be able to transit any fuel or oil through those pipelines. Not only that, though, it's not just oil, it's also natural mm-hmm. gas liquid. Big word for uh, secondary pipeline, but that's really product needed uh, for refining uh, uh, propane, and which, of course, not just uh, eastern Canada, Quebec, Ontario, Maritimes, but also Michigan right. tends to use a lot of. So a lot of uh, there are a lot of factors at play here, and uh, it's not just one particular fuel. It's all, uh, it's, it's, it's the refineries in Ontario, all of them, which use the oil from this particular pipeline, which uh, then turn it into gasoline, diesel, and, of course, jet fuel. Why is that important? Well, when Eastern Canadians talk about, uh, you know, airlines, uh, their most important airport is Pearson in Toronto. That is 100% serviced by the oil coming from that pipeline. So shut that down, and you might as well just say goodnight to airline activity as far as the nation's number one uh, international uh, airport. So, Dan... With all of this importance and all this economic activity and, you know, I mean, how vital it is to not only Canada, but to the United States, what is the reasoning? Why did the governor come out and say this? She's worried about leaking into the Great Lakes, correct? That's the issue here? Yeah, she's been uh, goaded by Dana Nessel. Dana has been the attorney general of that uh, state going back to 2012, 2011, when Enbridge had another pipeline that leaked in the Kalamazoo River and did a lot of damage. Now, Enbridge has since cleaned it up and uh, ensured it wouldn't happen again. But that really left a uh, bitter taste in the mouth of Michiganians who uh, saw this as uh, a prime example of what happens when you don't have a pipeline that operates properly and the risk is always there. An anchor strike, a ship hits it, or some other unforeseen disaster. Nothing, of course, has happened uh, in it's in '53. In, in '60, I'm trying to go back in time here because it's that old. Uh, you know, I, I'm 58, so I'd have to add another. In 67 years, <laughs> that pipeline has never had an issue. It's never leaked, and now, of course, Enbridge is willing to spend 
and has already applied for for some yes. time a permit to, to go uh, well below the uh, the floor, the bed, the waterbed, and to uh, build a tunnel. Uh, so, you know, and they've been humming and hawing about that as well. Recently, yesterday, I saw this, a story uh, from one of the Michigan press saying they may have found five rocks that might have shown a formation of 10,000 years ago created by Indigenous people 20, 30, 40 feet underwater. So, you know, you've got every Tom, Dick, and Harry coming out and finding reasons why this thing should be shut down. The fact, the effect on Canada, uh, and I suspect, suspect the U.S. Midwest eastern part would be devastating. You know, there's a lot of talk today about gas shortages going into the summer. I'm saying to those experts in the United States, many of whom I worked with in the past, uh, that they won't have to wait until the summer for a good part of eastern Canada <laughs> and the northeastern part of the United States. The shortage is uh, coming in right after May 13th if this goes through. Now, what's I mean, I, I know that um, the Prime Minister has said he's spoken to Joe Biden about it, and apparently we're being told there is all kinds of high-level discussions going on uh, behind the scenes that we aren't privy to, but all kinds of Canadian politicians and American politicians are working to try and uh, stop this. Are we seeing any progress? from? Because uh, apparently the governor is un- unmovable on this, from what I've seen. Yeah, she's unmovable, and I think uh, the public is probably not behind her. But the reality is that we have been picking away at finding ways to shut down pipelines. We've done a very good job at that. Both uh, the Biden administration and the Trudeau government have uh, uh, done enormous damage uh, to their credibility and the credibility of building pipelines in this country. So it's a little hypocritical for the Canadian Liberal government to come out and say, hey, we want this pipeline kept when you've actually been uh, engineering the destruction of the Energy East Pipeline, the Northern Gateway Pipeline, and pretty much spiked, uh, you know, Trans Mountain and finding every excuse under the sun before you finally had to realize at the last minute you had to buy the damn thing, costing uh, taxpayers up to 14 billion bucks or more, uh, and the thing still isn't built. I say that because it's kind of ironic that the people who've been against pipelines because of their, uh, their, their, their craze with climate change and net zero are now backpedaling very quickly to realize that they've created, uh, really opened a Pandora's box of their own making, and they can't close the damn thing. And unfortunately, uh, we're only uh, days away from a potential shutdown if the Michigan governor continues to dig in her heels. And she's no small potatoes when it comes to the Democrats in Washington. Why? She's the vice president of the Democratic uh, Convention. National Convention. uh, One of the highest national parties. She's one of the highest ranked people in the Democratic Party, which is all about this stuff. So uh, my guess is it's still 50-50. The courts might ultimately decide. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Because it is in the courts, right? I mean, they've they've got some legal proceedings that started up a couple of weeks ago. Do you think there's any chance that that might provide a remedy here? Yeah, I think it does temporary. Uh, but you remember, there's a day last July, media didn't pick up on this, where we actually had the pipeline, was uh, an injunction failed, and uh, they had to shut down the pipeline for a day, or at least they thought they had to. Uh, but at the last minute, they got another judge to overturn that decision. So this is, we're, we're playing with fire here, and it looks like, uh, if it doesn't happen now, and I, I really hope it doesn't, mm-hmm. I know some people, uh, you know, we have friends of mine in Alberta, think it'd be a wonderful thing to teach Eastern Canada a lesson right. and wake them up. But this is going to happen and unless there's an alternative like Energy East, where there is an existing mainline pipeline that can be converted rad- radically, uh, it's only a matter of when, not if, this thing closes down. Okay, Dan, let's play out the worst-case scenario here. You touched on a couple of things. If this pipeline does get shut down two weeks from today, what happens uh, three weeks from today and three months from today and a year from today uh, in terms of impact on closing this down? Well, of course, the company uh, will have to ship by rail, will ship by sea, and will ship by truck. Yeah. Of course, that will send prices through the roof, and then it will create within about a week and a half 
or two weeks of disruption that we'll start to see reductions uh, in uh, in commitments to uh, refineries. Refineries will then have to either close or cut back or have to, uh, uh, you know, rework the, uh, the logistics uh, throughout the United States to get access to oil. Any way you slice it, uh, you know, uh, Torontonians, uh, um, Ontario, Quebec are looking at a probably at least a minimum 20 cent a liter increase, more like 50 or 60. And, of course, the uh, what will come into play is yellow tape. You'll see a lot of it at gas stations as they close down one by one. You will shut down, of course, our international hub, uh, or airport, as I mentioned earlier. And, of course, uh, Canadians can find, uh, maybe get back to the good old days of burning coal, charcoal, for their barbecues, because there won't be a lot of propane available. This Now, that's three weeks, three, four weeks. Yeah. Three or four months, same thing. Uh, six or eight months colder weather, then we're in re- we're really in the pickle. Why the Great Lakes shuts down for half of the year, the, and you cannot transit a lot of that oil, even if you could, uh, via uh, via Great Lakes uh, uh, navigation. So then you're reading in the soup, and this is all worst case scenario. Uh, some of this obviously will never happen, uh, but uh, you know it's a wake up call. And I say that because in my former job at Gas Buddy. Every single year when we talked about emergency management, we would deploy something called the uh, the uh, uh, outage tracker to let people know, you know, when hurricanes are taking place in the United yeah, States, yeah. where gas stations are open. Bottom line, every one of the emergency management officials from Ohio and Michigan, every single time we presented, would pull me aside and say, listen, you've got a background in politics. You were in foreign affairs. For God's sakes, would you get your governments to smarten up on this? Because the federal and the provincial governments are asleep at the switch, and they have been for the past yeah. three years. Actually, I couldn't even get Canadian Press, who I talked to, and I won't mention names, three or four times, and said this is an issue, it's a growing issue, couldn't interest them in it. Now, of course, it's uh, final hours, and uh, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, it is final hours. That's the issue. That's where we are, and uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. We've got two weeks from today. Uh, and uh, Fingers crossed. I'm praying for the country. For what could be a majorly impactful uh, development. Okay, Dan, always a pleasure. Thanks for giving us some insight on what's going on there. Great to be here again, Shay. Have a great weekend. You bet. You too. Thank you. Uh, that is Dan McTague, who is president of Canadians for Affordable Energy and the former federal liberal MP.